Did you know that a hurricane can drop 2.4 trillion gallons of water? That's enough water to fill 3.6 million Olympic-sized swimming pools. Welcome to the Lore of the South. Hey y'all, welcome back to Lore of the South with your host Kelly Cruz. We're moving headlong into summer. Kids are all out of school and they are already bored. We'll be taking a short family vacation to Savannah in a couple of weeks and have some tours lined up that we have never done before. Hope to get a couple of stories out of it for you all. But in the meantime, guess what this week is? If you're from the southeast or a coastal area, you probably know because your local weather person will shut up about it. That's right, it's the first week of hurricane season, the time of year that the Florida man has been waiting for. Everybody else, check your generators, your flashlight batteries, and stockpile those gallon jugs of water and cans of beanie weenies, because it's summertime in the South. And to go along with this hurricane season, Laura the South is bringing you a six-part series dedicated to the history and paranormal happenings of hurricanes. Welcome to episode 18, there's a storm of ruin. Since mankind first settled down to farm and stopped the constant chasing of migrating animals, he has tried to predict the weather. Weather affects every aspect of human life. From whether or not your crops will survive or fail, it affects people's ability to trade and participate in commerce. It can also be a matter of life or death. So it was important, even for our ancient ancestors, to give weather prediction a go. The Babylonians tried their hands at weather prediction by tracking cloud patterns and also through astrology. Aristotle wrote of weather patterns and so did the ancient Chinese. The New Testament even quotes Jesus as saying that the ability to interpret the appearance of the sky doesn't mean that you have the ability to interpret the signs of the times. It wasn't until the mid-1830s that meteorology began to take a foothold as an actual science. Before the invention of the telegraph, news of weather could only travel as fast as a man, a horse, or a ship. The telegraph enabled man to get ahead of the coming storms. We could now send nearly instantaneous messages to our neighbors to warn of impeding weather conditions. The first meteorological societies were also being formed around this time in England and weather data collection began with the use of barometers and cloud formations to help predict future weather. In the United States, weather prediction science took a back burner to the Civil War as we were a smidge behind our English cousins on the weather front. But we had the gist of regular weather patterns, seasonal fronts blow from west to east across the North American continent. Though these weren't the most accurate predictions that our weather stations were making, they were the best we had. The real trouble was with hurricane prediction. There was no way to relay stormy weather conditions out at sea unless a ship came into port and reported the storms. It was like that until the underwater telegraph lines were laid in the 1890s. Those gave the Caribbean and coastal islands the ability to communicate with the U.S. mainland, and we could then try to follow a hurricane's progress and hopefully be able to predict its landfall. Even though the Weather Bureau did not use the words hurricane or tornadoes in their warnings, they feared that would cause more panic than preparedness. 
1893, a storm was reported in the Bahamas and it was predicted to hit around New York. The storm hit on August 24th, causing more damage than any other storm until Sandy struck its shores in October 2012. Two days later, there was another storm warning out of the Bahamas. The Weather Bureau was predicting this one would also hit the East Coast, somewhere south of New York. Do y'all realize how vague that is? Somewhere south of New York, there are nearly a thousand miles of coastline between New York and Georgia. We lose our minds in today's era of storm prediction if Jim Cantori shows up and he doesn't take a direct hit. But anyway, back to the 1890s. Three days later, what we now think was a Category 4 storm came ashore in the middle of the night over Savannah, Georgia. The strongest winds overwhelmed the sea islands and caused a 16-foot storm surge that killed upwards of 2,000 people. These were the first of five major storms to strike the U.S. in the late 1800s. On October 2, 1893, a hurricane struck southern Louisiana in the city of New Orleans with no warning. The powerful storm killed more than 2,000 people. The Weather Bureau explained that the storm had formed much too close to shore for them to have been able to make any sort of landfall predictions. September 7th, a tropical storm sweeps across the Florida Keys. The Weather Bureau headquarters tracks the storm into the Gulf of Mexico and issues a storm warning that ranged from Pensacola, Florida down to Galveston, Texas. September 8, 1900, a 131 mile per hour wind slammed into the Gulf Island of Galveston, Texas. Once again, the massive storm struck in the middle of the night and somewhere between 6 and 12,000 people died, including nearly all of the children who had lived in a Gulfside orphanage. The last of the unpredicted hurricanes to strike the U.S. was in 1938 and impacted New England. The storm even toppled trees as far inland as the Green and White Mountains. We've come a long way since those early attempts at hurricane prediction. With the invention of weather radar, satellite imagery, weather buoys that are placed the world over, and hurricane hunter aircraft and their crews. Their flights into the eyes of storms began back in 1943, and they've been reporting important storm data ever since. We are now able to predict storm strengths, date and time, and area of impact within an eight-mile track. So, as we say in Florida, hope old Cantori doesn't show up in your town. And let's hope for a calm hurricane season this year. And to wind this episode up, I thought we would share some old-timey ways that our grandparents and maybe some of us still use to predict weather today. Red sky in the morning, sailor take warning. Red sky at night, sailor's delight. Why this works. The red sky in the morning is caused by excess water vapor in the air and the sunlight reflecting off of it. This also means that the bad weather is moving your way. Red sky at night means that the weather front is moving away from you. When a chimney smoke descends, nice weather ends. So if your chimney or campfire smoke stays low to the ground, again this points to there being abundance of moisture in the air, and it's not allowing the smoke to rise as it normally would. A storm is on the way. Closed in the morning, and it'll be pouring. 
Several types of flowers are good weather predictors, such as tulips and dandelions. They will close their petals under the threat of rain to save their pollen from becoming wet. A ring around the moon, frost is coming soon. Known as a lunar corona, it happens when light reflects off of the moon and travels through ice crystals in the air, telling us that cold weather is on the way. A few of you chimed in with your own predictions like stratocumulus clouds moving in from the west, rain within the next 48 hours, no dew in the morning, rain coming soon, or how about this one, if a cat sleeps with his chin in the air, rain is on the way. And here's another one, cows laying in a field, rain is sure to come. Again, nature knows best. The cows can sense the change in the weather and simply lay down to preserve a dry patch of grass. And this one all southerners lay claim to. We can smell the rain coming. This is caused by different molds and funguses that live in our soil. They get all excited and stirred up when rain is impending. They release spores in the air and that's what we smell. And nearly every one of y'all mentioned having achy joints or headaches when bad weather's on the way. You can blame that on the barometric pressure drop. The decrease in pressure can cause the fluid in your joints to swell and cause you pain. Your headaches because of the difference between the air pressure on the outside versus the pressure inside of your sinus cavities. Michael, cue the more you know sound effects. Thank you Mandy, Jess, Melissa, Uncle Horace, Ninny, Kelly, Heather, and Chris for your contributions. And thank you all for joining us for part one of the six part series. Once a month, all the way through November, I'll be sharing a storm story. The next episode will release on June 20th and it won't be storm related content, but it does involve something that made a pretty big splash. And happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. Thank y'all for joining us on Laura of the South. Look for us on social media. Just search the show's name, Laura of the South, on Facebook and Instagram. That's where you'll find pics to go along with each episode. And every once in a while, I'll ask for your for listeners' input, just like I did in this one when people shared their storm warning advice. And with that, we'll talk to y'all later on Laura of the South. <laughs>